0: Veg-cast. It's here! It's complete! It's all new! Veg-cast. That's right, folks, it's VegCast 122! VegCast! A menu from first to last! Veg-cast. Yes, VegCast 122 is the Sounds of Summerfest 2015 edition of VegCast. And yes, it is indeed December 2015. We're going to be listening to a bunch of sound clips that were recorded back in July of 2015. And you may ask yourself, why are we just hearing this now instead of back in July or even August or September, etc.? And frankly, the fact that it's coming out at all, uh, it within... The Bounds of 2015 is a holiday miracle. Um, However, I had to go ahead without uh, just a couple of clips that I was looking for that were recorded on a separate device, which I was not able to retrieve, but this is still going to be a full menu uh, VegCast. We're going to hear from the Vegetarian Hall of Fame winner Hans Deal. We're going to hear from Gary Francione, who made a a splashy return to Summerfest. Uh, We'll be hearing uh, snippets from various people, including Allison Rivers-Sampson and Rebecca Gilbert. So please sit back, relax, and crank up your MP3 player as we deliver to you this 122nd edition of
1: VegCat.
0: Ah, yes, the dulcet sounds of birdsong from a previous Summerfest, because I did not record any birdsong this time, uh, because once again I did have a little incident with the MP3 recorder, which I will explain later. But right now we're going to jump right into the sounds of Summerfest with a very quick brief mini-interview with Rebecca Gilbert, the author of It's Easy to Start Eating Vegan. We're here with Rebecca Gilbert right in front of the Student Union Building here at Vegetarian Summerfest. Rebecca, thanks for agreeing to do a short clip just for the sounds of Summerfest because you are one of the people here and... Uh, I wanted to thank you because you just gave me a shirt.
2: Yay. Well, I loved being here at Vegetarian Summerfest. There are so many incredible speakers, so much to learn from a health perspective, from an environmental perspective, of course, for the animals. And I just gifted you with a 100% Cotton Yummy Plants Love Life yummy Vegan plants. t-shirt.
0: That's right. And Yummy Plants is your blog, and you also have a book entitled... It's, it's
1: Easy to Start Eating Vegan, which is a book for newbies.
0: Yeah. And it's—I uh, mean, people can find that on my V for Vegan blog. But I think you're doing great work, and look to see what uh, what you come up with next.
2: That sounds great. Thank you so much, Vance. Take okay. care.
0: Thank you. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Yes, that was Rebecca Gilbert. Now check out that V for Vegan blog post about it's easy to start eating vegan. But I wanted to point out Rebecca is probably uh, one of the few people with the shortest commute to Summerfest, as she is based in Pittsburgh, but now we're going to turn our attention to someone with a longer commute, if you will, a world traveler, internationally known, and this year's inductee into the Vegetarian Hall of Fame. And as you know, it sounds of Summerfest tradition to get the first interview uh, with the Hall of Fame inductee, and just barely managed to do that by a couple minutes this time. But now we will turn our attention to our feature interview with Dr. Hans Deal. All right, we are right here in Blackington Hall on the University of Pittsburgh-Johnstown campus talking with Dr. Hans Deal, the 2015 Vegetarian Hall of Fame inductee. And Dr. Deal, first I want to say thanks for joining me on VegCast.
1: My pleasure. Thank you
0: and congratulations, <laughs> of course, on uh, your, your induction. I had, as I said last night, there was a bio that you had provided for the program that uh, I read out as the MC and that in retrospect just seemed uh, very, almost self-effacing, just very basic. And we found out about uh, even those of us who knew you had done a lot of uh, stuff with CHIP and uh, with the, the Pritikin program, we didn't know like uh, half of what what you've accomplished. So you've accomplished a great deal.
1: And how have you managed to fit all of that in? Well, actually, uh, I'm surprised myself that um, uh, I have been blessed in reaching out to people everywhere. Um, the breakthrough for me came once we began to understand that we could place these educational contents on uh, first-class highbrow um, uh, video uh, DVD sets. Mm -hmm. And uh, through this means, uh, the word has now spread, and the program is simultaneously being conducted in 10, 20, 30, 40 different cities around the world. That's great so we are very very grateful and so i cannot really take all that much credit for uh, all of this <laughs> <Of course not. laughs> no, it's it just that we have a wonderful team we have people that recognize that this is joy generating uh, we are can, we can give people that are in uh, a situation of living lives of quiet despair mm-hmm. we can give them hope and health and healing by helping them to understand that the body is beginning to heal itself if given a chance with the proper input, whether it's some proper exercise or perhaps some of the simple foods that come to us such as fruits and vegetables and whole grains and some legumes and maybe a few uh, seeds and nuts. These are the simple foods that have the nutritional bonanza that helps the body to begin to regenerate itself. Great.
0: Let me ask you about, um, because you're often having people go on to uh, diets that they're not familiar with um, and that, you know, they may be saying, oh, this is so hard to eat this way, Um, but, you know, your program depends on them sticking to it. And my question is, um, since we're at Summerfest where you have uh, nutritional uh, speakers and you have animal rights speakers, you have kind of a, a, a potpourri of different aspects of vegan eating and vegan living, um, do you think or do you conjecture about whether there is any more uh, benefit to being able to commit to a diet like that with a uh, kind of an ideological underpinning or have Mm -hmm. you noticed no correspondence in that and you just, you say, I'm Dr. Deal and you got to listen to me. (laughs) And then they say, all right, I'll do whatever
1: you say. No, I think the most important aspect of behavior change is to reach people where they are. Mm -hmm. If they are committed to the Western lifestyle because they have never heard any uh, better way to do it, well, why don't we just help people to help them to understand that we have to have more fiber in the diet? And when you have more fiber in the diet, all of a sudden, you don't have to worry about constipation anymore and many, right. many other things. You don't have to worry about um, uh, You know, uh, diverticular disease and so on and so forth. This is just one illustration. If we have a person that is on a typical Western diet, why don't we help them to understand, hey, try to make some changes. Cut back on red meat. Cut back on the white meat. Maybe you can also do something about increasing the amount of uh, fruits and vegetables. Cut back on processed foods. The whole idea uh, that I find a little bit distasteful is the idea sometimes that we um, uh, segregate um, and pit against each other vegetarianism versus omnivorous diets meat versus plants. And what I'm suggesting is that we need to give people an opportunity to find uh, their way of doing what they feel is best for them. So if they're not quite ready to make the jump all the way, they'll come to that as they begin to open themselves up to the huge amount of scientific evidence that is out there that is very clearly telling us we need to be uh, moving towards a diet that has less processed foods. I mean, 51% of the calories that we eat today is processed foods. So you can be a vegetarian and still be a junkie. That's true. right? And so we want to bring people to a balance here in the lifestyle. And of course, we're not just talking about diet either. We would like people to get into an exercise program to begin to manage their uh, adequate sleep patterns, Mm -hmm. to perhaps become nicer people. You know, I mean, if you don't find happiness in life and you're just grinding it out, I'm a vegetarian and I don't eat those M&Ms, what have you really accomplished? So I think we need to find uh, an inner uh, light that guides us towards um, a softer uh, way of living. And in the process, you find the deeper joy and you find uh, that your taste buds begin to gradually change. And, you know, after a while, you don't even miss those Oreos and M&Ms and the Solon steaks and all these kind of things. As as shocking as it may sound to some people, that have never heard this before. I used to be there years ago, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't even imagine that I could eat a corpse. I right. mean, I mean, for people to eat those cadavers. I mean, it's just unthinkable now, and yet I was doing it myself.
0: Well, that's right. I was there, too. Yeah, so, you know,
1: it's important that we are tolerant and that we are kind and caring and we let people know, hey, there's a better way out there. Why don't you come and take a look, and maybe you can join us.
0: Right. Well, that's great. And you've found so many different ways of, uh, like, getting the message across in different media um, and... We only, uh, a lot of us anyway, only found out uh, last night you're a musician, you're a songwriter, and uh, you've written uh, this love song that uh, is apparently, I don't know, it's like uh, this rumored about thing, because we're not allowed, we weren't allowed to hear it, but (laughs) other people, you know, had
1: reacted to it. Um, I wondered if you had any comment on that. We are here to, uh, to make life a happier life. And if, uh, uh, you know, my humble offering there in the music area, which meant a lot to my wife, I uh, made it for our 40th uh, uh, engagement year. Uh, so if that is going to be a blessing to someone, great. You know, I am happen to be married to a concertizing uh, pianist, and so uh, music uh, has become sort of an amateurish effort on my part. Okay, amateurish. <laughs> huh? yeah. We'll
0: We'll uh, let listeners be the judge of that, I guess. <laughs> So just to sum it all up, uh, you know it's a great thing that uh, you have been recognized uh, mm. for all of this work in the Vegetarian Hall of Fame. And now, I mean, I, I know you've received plenty of accolades that this is being piled on top of. But what, what is, what's the next step? Can you can you go any further beyond that? Are you still just trying to get as many people as possible to understand? what's going on out there, and that's you just keep on in the same framework as you've been doing.
1: I want people to know that uh, health comes by choice, not by chance. Happiness comes by being a giver rather than being a taker. And uh, I am concerned that the planet is in a mortal state. And I think unless we make some changes, that planet is... uh, groaning under the load that we place on it. Right. Well,
0: that's a sobering thought. Well, uh, I guess we're going to have to end this interview on a down note then, Dr. Teal. But I did want to be, uh, you know, we're happy for you. And you're obviously a happy person, uh, despite some of the uh, the big picture problems that we all face. So uh, I guess I just want to say thanks for taking the time out uh, from a very busy day and uh, joining me on VegCast. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Okay, great. Thank you.
2: There are millions of memories Running through my mind Conjuring emotions From another place and time there was some I dearly treasure While others fade away But my most precious memory Is when I first saw your face I've been so many places I've seen so many sights. Blessed with hope and happiness Through countless days and nights But this I will remember When the rest of life is through The finest thing I've ever done Is simply love To have you and to hold you, my wildest dream come true. And even in the worst of times, your love has brought me through. It's stronger than an army, and it's deeper than the sea. Mere words cannot begin to tell how much you mean to me. I've been so many places, I've seen so many sides. Simply loving you,
0: boy. That Doctor Hans deal can sure carry a tune, can't he? Uh, No, that was uh, Woody Wright performing uh, that song, Uh, Woody W-R-I-G-H-T, although he also certainly helped to write uh, the song itself uh, on some lyric ideas uh, of Dr. Deal's on the occasion uh, of his anniversary with his wife, the esteemed uh, pianist and music educator, Dr. Lily Deal, uh, and Woody Wright wanted to do something uh, as a favor for Dr. Deal after uh, Chip, improved his life so uh, he wrote the song and recorded it, uh, got it done just in time for the anniversary. It's called Simply Loving You. Uh, it was a happy ending all around in that uh, particular sector. But now we must turn to a darker topic. And no, I don't Mean the uh, technical difficulties with my eye river, although that plays into it. No, it is how I was besieged. Besieged, I tell you, uh, by Summerfest attendees asking me the same question over and over. Uh, and I decided to start documenting these uh, with sound recordings and uh, got all uh, kind of hyped up to make this case on the podcast uh, for this item that the people were requesting. Let's see first what some of those people have to say, and I'll be back to explain.
1: So, now for the most important question. This is Allison, by the way. Yes. Are you doing a draw along this year? Well, it's funny you should ask
0: that question, Allison, because no.
1: I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with this.
0: Okay, well, I'm.
1: I'm writing it on the evaluation form. Whoa! (laughs) Where (laughs) is the draw along?
0: Exactly. All right, and more to the point, this will be part of the Sounds of Summerfest now. So we're creating a grassroots movement.
2: Okay.
0: (laughs) Everybody's saying, where's
2: the draw along? Exactly.
0: Yes, everyone was saying that. And uh, the draw along, of course, the inimitable, uh, well, uh, Ted Barnett did imitate it that one time, but it it is certainly a -a one-of-a-kind live improv cartooning extravaganza that has been at most summer fests, uh, although I think we did previously skip it one year before. Uh, but we certainly skipped it this year. There was outrage. That was uh, Allison. I did ask people to uh, say their last name after this, but she just used her first because it's Allison Rivers Sampson uh, who really can just go by the one name. Uh, in the vegan movement, of course, the chocolatier, baker, entrepreneur, all around, uh, vegan Dynamo expressing her uh, opinion there, but she was not alone in asking this question. Where's the drawing?
3: What they were going to miss you not drawing. That's become a stable thing to be doing the drawing. It's fun. It's entertaining. He needs to be doing it.
0: Okay. De- what's your last name? Peggy Fritz. On the staff. That's Peggy Fritz. Well, exactly. So exactly is exactly right because. While this was a fun summer fest in general for me, I just kept being accosted by people wanting to know where's the draw along, and I would get out my uh, recorder and record them because I was building up this archive, Uh, and so I would like, they would say that, and I would say, okay, could you say that again for the court? Although I, I don't want to imply that there's any litigation involved here. Uh, but I would pull it out and then record when people said... Just I was sit-
2: expecting this to make your I was too. Exactly.
0: exactly. Yeah. All right. There, we got... Sorry. You're Dean Barnum. All right. And Jan Barnum. And right. and right about there is where my iRiver ran out of memory uh, because it, as it turned out, uh, a bunch of uh, earlier sound files that I thought I had deleted off of it, I had not succeeded in doing so and it was still... Uh, full of audio so I ran out of room to record uh, and then I had a couple other that I managed to record in a different uh, system but was unable to uh, get those to retrieve those so I'm going to have to stay with the uh, three clips that we have as the massive uh, archive that I was building but uh, to the Summerfest organizers, you know at least three people now uh, want to see that draw along next year So, hope we can get that worked out. I'll have uh, your people call my people. Um, Okay, glad I got that out of my system. Well, one of the noteworthy aspects of Summerfest 2015 was the return appearance of Gary Francione for the first time in 15 years, uh, giving uh, an address on Friday night, doing uh, classes and everything. It was great to see that. Uh, A lot of people... Uh, were fascinated uh, by this person that uh, they'd been coming to Summerfest for years and never seen, Um, and I wanted to uh, get a clip with him there at the University of Pittsburgh-Johnstown campus uh, during that weekend, but it did not happen due to uh, scheduling and technical difficulties. So at a later date, we met up uh, in Bryn Mawr to try to recreate what it would have been like. Uh, if we had been able to chat for just uh, a couple minutes, uh, and of course, uh, since it was Gary Francione, the, uh, the chat kind of went on, but there's a lot of good stuff there, so we're going to listen to that right now. Okay, here we are right now in beautiful, bucolic Johnstown, looking, uh, you know, around at the grass, the shade, the the parking meters, the Bryn trains... St- oh, wait a minute. Uh... <laughs> Well, we really planned to be in Johnstown, but right now we're in as bucolic a setting as we can. This is Gary Francione here, who was at Summerfest, but I did not manage to uh, corral him while he was there. So I'm talking to him now. So, Gary, welcome to the Sounds of Summerfest edition of VegCast.
3: Well, I'm glad to be here, even though we're in Bryn Mawr and not in Johnstown. Yeah, we really weren't able to pull that off.
0: Uh, But, you know, maybe we'll put a little bed of birds chirping and stuff under it, and it'll
3: sound just like we were still there. There are birds chirping. You just, there, yeah, do you hear? There's chirping.
0: It's, it's not exactly, they're not the same birds as you find
3: no, no, up,
0: no. Uh, in, in Johnstown. Um, so we're, uh, you know, this is a Summerfest thing, and it was a big Summerfest in a way because of the return of Gary Francione. So uh, let me just first ask you, you, I think you were last at Summerfest in either 2000 or 2001. Uh, in your hiatus, you know, coming back, is it just like settling back into a warm bath or were there jarring uh, things that were, were different
3: about it, or What was your overall impression? Oh, it was terrific. I had a really good time. Um, I enjoyed You know, what, what was interesting is that you know i left i think 2000 maybe 1999 but certainly 2000 was the last time i was there so it's been 15 years and
0: you were definitely there in and, 2000
3: yeah okay 2000 um the faces have obviously changed i mean you know there uh, there were some people there that i remember from 15 years ago but most of the people are new people so it was great to meet all these new people and and it was a you know Summerfest has always been um a nice atmosphere. It's always been a good atmosphere. It's always been terrific food. I mean, the food is the best of any conference ever. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's terrific in that, in that regard. Um, but it's always been a pretty, a casual place. It's always been a place where, um, you know, you meet, you meet nice people and you can, um, you know, you, you can uh, spend time with nice people and have discussions. And, um, and, you know, that's exactly how I found it and how Anna and I found it this year um, was, you know, uh, when we were driving home, I said to Anna, um, well, what's your impression? She said, it was Summerfest. <laughs> so, you know, it was Summerfest yeah. and it's uh, it's an event. Um, and, it, and, and I, I think it was terrific. I mean, I, I enjoyed meeting, you know, I met a lot of really terrific people and, it's great
0: yeah you got a uh, great response uh, people packing uh, the different uh, venues to hear you now um, you know the main hook for uh, for this everybody has to have a, a book or a thing that they're tied to you have this uh, book eat like you care and now a, a new website how do I go vegan.com yes. and, and what these to share I think and to stop me if I'm going too far here is that they're Taking um, basically the same message that you've uh, always been promulgating uh, and kind of repackaging it in a little bit—I uh, don't necessarily want to say smarter, because how could uh, how could friends? You don't get any smarter, <laughs> but um, in a, a more targeted in a way, in uh, a more concise, like direct. Just try to uh, make sure that everybody who comes into contact with it can can easily get something from we it. Is are, that?
3: It, it, it's um... look. It took me some time to get this stuff worked out. You know, I mean, um, you know, I started thirty some odd years ago, being, uh, you know a law professor who was doing animal welfare cases and working with all these animal welfare groups. And it took me some time to sort of realize I was wasting my time. And in fact, I was engaging in kind con- you know in, in, in counterproductive efforts. Um, and so it took me some time um, to work out w- what what the situation was. I mean, it, it was, you know, in the early to mid nineties that it, you know, and I'd been doing this, I'd been, I'd been involved for like over 10 years and it, it took me really that long to sort of understand that the property status of animals meant that animal welfare regulation could never work, and you know, and and it it it, it took me time to sort. Of, I was working with a lot of these groups that that I <clears throat> that I wrote about in 1996 as new welfareist groups. I mean, I was working with those people. Those were people that I that were my friends that I was working with, and you know, so it took me sort of some time to see that property status of animals was problematic it took me time to see that these animal groups um, you know all of them were basically um, going in the wrong direction all of these large groups are going in the wrong direction and and it, you know and, and so and so it's been a process for me to sort of you know get my theory developed now I have it developed fairly well I'm I, I, I'm familiar with it in the in the sense that I, I I, I see it now uh, in a very clear way. And one of the advantages of that is I'm able to sort of distill out the ideas that I think are really clear and sort of, you know, and I have, I mean, I think in certain ways, um, you know, the, the recent writing um, has been, uh, I think, more direct, um, less academic. I, again, I don't apologize for the academic work. I had to do that to get to where I am now. Right. But. Um, but I think that you know, eat like you care. The one that Anna and I are working on now, which is the abolitionist approach to animal rights, a manifesto, is the same sort of thing. We're trying to take the abolitionist ideas, um, which are deeply philosophical on certain levels, but present them in a way so that you know people understand them. Um, and also, look, it's, it's it's all. I've also been resisting. Um, you know, I. I I, I didn't really want to capitulate to the fact that um, I'm living in a world now that is very different from from the world of 30 years ago. People don't read um, anything that they regard as remotely complex, or most people don't. And um, you know, we live in a world where if it's anything longer than a tweet, you lose people's attention. So, um, and I, I, you know, I resisted that for a long time. I mean, it was it was it was 2005 that we started the Abolitionist Approach website and I did that kicking and screaming I didn't want to do it I mean I did it because I was persuaded to do it by somebody who was savvy about computers and I didn't want to get involved with it and I didn't want you know and I didn't want to open a Facebook account and I didn't want to now I've got like almost 70,000 people on that, on that page and we have really fascinating discussions and I think it's a great platform for educating people but you know look i I I I mean I came out of, of, of university in the nineteen seventies um, you know and I was I was, you know, when I became a professor, it was, you know, I, I was a sort of a, a, a conventional person in that regard that I wrote the sorts of things that professors write. But, um, you know, that work has to, in many ways, be translated so that it can have, um, it, it, it can be be distributed more widely in a political sense.
0: Okay, well, um, let's just get, I mean, we don't have a lot of time here, but I want to make sure that we, we do talk about the content, not just the style. And a large part of the content, um, you know, people come to the the kind of abolitionist approach and want to treat it in the way they're used to, which is like, well, now where do I, you know, sign up for my membership in this? How do I, uh, you know, tell people about this leader that we have and you're always like I don't want to be your leader you got to go out and be the leader I don't want to be anybody's
3: leader right Um,
0: and you actually I was at a session where you were you know kind of going through five steps for everybody going out and and being uh, kind of 24-7 advocates uh, for for the vegan ideology no matter you know how you encounter somebody can you give us any sense of that because that's that's been a as you know I've brought this up um you're recommending a kind of activity that comes easily and naturally to lawyers which you are and you're a you're an excellent debater and you have a way of listening to people to find a way that you can respond and be persuasive whereas most people don't have those skills but you say you don't need to have those you just got to get out there and start talking
3: well well that's not quite right i All say right. you've got to educate yourself before you can educate other people right, and i okay. think that's key but look Let's talk about substance briefly. In many ways, you know, years ago, in 1999, you wrote uh, a review of my book, Introduction to Animal Rights,
1: in the City Paper. 2000. 2000. Okay.
3: Okay. And that was 2000, and you wrote a review for the City Paper, and what you basically said was that I was arguing that that most of us already believed what we needed to believe to come to the conclusion that animals had rights and we ought not to be exploiting them. In many ways, I have been developing and refining that theme for the past 15 years. As far as I'm concerned, our conventional wisdom about animals—that it's wrong to inflict unnecessary suffering on them, which everybody accepts—leads, you know, it leads inexorably to the conclusion that we've got to be vegan. And it's a simple idea. You don't need a, a dense theory of animal rights. You don't need, you know, you, you, all, all you need to, to understand is the conventional wisdom. Um, and the conventional wisdom gets us to veganism, and I think that was the point of writing Eat Like You Care with Anna Charlton in 2013, was sort of make that point in a really straight, simple way, that our conventional wisdom that we think it's wrong with food, the unnecessary suffering in animals, even if we believe that animals don't matter as much morally as humans, which I, I, I reject, but even if... Even if one believes that, one still gets to veganism and that's what we wrote that book for to, 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 to figure to, to get people to see where, where what they already believed led them. Um, when I was talking at Summerfest about how to talk to people, look, I understand that, that people are shy. I understand that people are not used. But but what I'm suggesting is each of us has a social network. Whether or not you're, you know, if you're not comfortable speaking in front of a group of 100 or 500 or, you know, whatever, you don't do it. But, um, but you know, each of us, whether we have access to or inclination to talk in that sort of form, each of us has a social network of friends and family that we're constantly communicating with and, and if we educate those people even if only one or two of the people in our network go vegan then they do one or two of the people we're talking about exponential development we're talking about a paradigm shift and what I said at that workshop was when we talk to people, we have to assume they're not stupid, that they're people of goodwill. We shouldn't get frustrated. We shouldn't get angry. But we need to educate ourselves. And see, this is what I see as a real problem with a lot of animal advocates is they think that this is easy and that all they need to do is go out and say, be compassionate or, you know, animals have whatever. You need to be able to address the questions that people give you, uh, the people, you know, the, the sorts of... And you need to also recognize that people are going to say a lot of things that you regard as dumb and perhaps even as offensive. You know, you're going to hear, you know, what about plants? What, wasn't Hitler a vegetarian? You're going to hear all that stuff. And instead of getting angry with people, you need to sort of learn how to respond to that stuff in a creative way. But I really want to make it clear that I don't want to be anybody's. I'm not. Any, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a professor at Rutgers. I generate ideas and stuff. And, and um, you know, I don't want to be anybody's leader. And as far as I'm concerned, you go to abolitionistapproach.com or you go to my Facebook site or to the, you know, to the new, the new site, howdoigovegan.com. You will never find a donate button because I will not allow it. I don't want your money. I will not accept money. What I want is for you to go vegan, and I want you to spend some time educating yourself so you can educate other people about going vegan. Okay.
0: Well, um, just before we go, I want to make sure that we, we do talk about how do I go beam? Because I was uh, impressed when I heard about this.
3: And uh, you're a tough you're a tough critic. So when you said you when you when you said well, sh-
0: just heard, when I heard about it, I was like, oh duh, that's such a great idea. Because if somebody is interested in that, they're going to go and type that phrase <laughs> into Google, go and her. Google gives the highest rank to something that has the search phrase in its domain name. Right. So uh, would you care to give us just any uh, briefing on how this is? Uh, You know, like your care is almost. uh, I think you said in the session that I was at is not. uh, It's not even so much for non-vegans as it is something that vegans can purchase as a kind of a guide to how to have these discussions. But how do I go vegan is more forward or more front-facing to the public. Right. So what uh, you know that just came out of nowhere for a lot of us, but not for you. Obviously, you. What
3: was the the impetus for the URL? The URL and the whole yeah. Well, that well whole I wanted to do I wanted to do a site that was abolitionist vegan because you know there's veganism and there's abolitionist veganism so right. you know and and we probably don't have time to get into that but but there's you know abolitionist, and I wanted to do a site uh, and what we did we, we we got one of the two people who had done a very popular uh, vegan starter guide uh, Sandra Cummings who was one of the two people who had done. An earlier vegan starter guide. We got her to come on board, and you know, because she wanted to do an abolitionist. She wanted to do one that she wanted to do. Um, you know, vegan kit is a good reference tool, but uh, she wanted to do something that was more abolitionist. So we got together and we formed a little team, and we we did that. Now I wanted to call the URL uh, abolitionist vegan or. Or the, the world is vegan if you want it.com. I got outvoted by the group. Um, <laughs> Vincent Kahane, um, and Anna Charlton and Mariana Gonzalez, they all said, no, let's go with how do I go vegan, because that's what people will type in the search engine. And I said, no, no, I said, that sounds so horrible. And I went along with them because I believe in democracy, sort of. Um, And, (laughs) you know, sometimes I believe in democracy. And so I said, okay, fine, let's call it how do I go vegan. And it's been getting zillions of hits. So they were right, I was wrong, and you've got that on on tape. (laughs) I was wrong. Great. Um, I'm going to use, I'm going to take that clip and use it for any other thing that I need. Yes, yes. uh, Yes, Great. But it's been, it's been, it's a terrific uh, site. And, and I encourage people to go there. And our regular site is abolitionistapproach.com, and you can read hundreds of essays on animal rights, abolitionist veganism, the problems between, you know, the problems with animal welfare reg- regulation, all that sort of stuff. And then you can come over to the the Facebook site, uh, Gary L. Francia on the Abolitionist Approach to Animal Rights, uh, on Facebook, where you know we have discussions about this stuff all the time. You can ask questions. You can interact with people who really have been thinking about this stuff for a long time. But again, the most important thing. It, you know the problem with with animal ethics and the problem with the, with the way we treat animals is not a problem of money. It's not. You're not going to solve the problem. You're not going to change the paradigm by. Giving money to one of these large organizations, if anything, you're gonna you're gonna retard progress because I think these large organizations um, have become basically promoters of happy exploitation, and they're not not only not useful, they're counterproductive. The way this is gonna change is not by you giving money to anybody, but by you becoming vegan and educating other people to be vegan. So if you're if you're you know some people were coming up to me in Summerfest and saying, I could never speak in front of a large group like you're speaking. For. I said fine. I said you know I said first of all it's a lot easier than you think it is. I said but if it if it makes you anxious, don't do it. But do you have friends? Yeah. Do you have dinner parties with your friends? You have yeah. Well, talk to your friends. You know, I mean, just talk to your friends. Talk to your family. You know, talk, talk to, talk to, to parents of kids that you know that you you know that you meet you know for for you know uh, PTA events or something like that. Um, but you know, if each of us, if each of us in the next year turn two people on to veganism, and I mean real veganism, not this flexible veganism or you know what I'm talking about, real. Veganism. Right. If we, if each of us turned two people on, we would have a vegan world in like ten years, twelve years. You know? Right. Well, then let's get going. That's right. That's right. right. The times a wasting, man. The times a wasting. <laughs> well, Gary, uh, thank you for.
0: Uh, it was great to see you back at Summerfest. Hope uh, that'll be part of a, uh, of a trend there. And uh, thank you for joining me for the Sounds of Summerfest. And thank you for having me. Man. Thank you for uh, being on Sorry. All right science Our science fact for VegCast 122 is actually more of a collection of science facts that have been collected into book form now uh, obviously my 121 podcasts worth of commentary on uh, different studies as they appear in the media comprise no, they compose a, uh, a kind of collection of science facts that I have sometimes referred people to, um, but now we have a much better resource, and that is a site called nutritionfacts.org, uh, which, as you know, Dr. Michael Greger, a frequent guest on the Sounds of Summerfest podcast, uh, but not this year, so we're getting him in this way. Uh he does the site, NutritionFacts.org, which is an exhaustive and comprehensive collection of uh, scientific data with uh, some explication and commentary by Dr. Greger. And now, uh, kind of the companion volume to that is a book entitled How Not to Die from Flatiron Books. And I bring this up not just because uh, it's been a while since my last VegCast and there's so many different studies and facts to choose from, that uh, this is a much better option. But I also want you to run out and buy this book uh, because I'm the illustrator of it. I did uh, one credited illustration for it that uh, is on page 120, so check that out. But uh, go get the book. I don't actually get a kickback from the sales, but just uh, it's a great book. It's uh, got all kinds of uh, stuff where he's explaining the different ways that you can die. Now, the book is not called How to Not Die. You're going to die, but there's different ways that uh, you might die that would be better avoided. And he's uh, showing you how to avoid those uh, with uh, various uh, lifestyle changes, mostly involving your diet, obviously. Um, and it's uh, it's exhaustive. It's uh, more than 400 pages of book and more than 130 pages of notes with references and index and everything. So please go and uh, get that, read that, and then when you are done with that and fully understand all of the ramifications of that, why, you come back to me and I swear I will have yet another science fact. New York Times bestseller, How Not to Die. Now, this particular Sounds of Summerfest podcast is getting out so late that I've actually heard from NAVS uh, they've invited me back next year so I will be back there uh, see you there, hope to be doing the draw along, we didn't, they didn't say anything about that but then they hadn't heard this podcast yet, but uh, of course that was for me one of the key sounds of Summerfest and uh, having now passed that and these other sounds along to you, I am out of here Bench Yes, that is VegCast 122. Thanks to Dr. Hans Deal for uh, talking with me, and thanks to him and Woody Wright for permission to play Simply Loving You on VegCast. Thanks to Rebecca Gilbert for talking with us. Thanks to Gary Francione for meeting me in Bryn Mawr for that interview. And thanks to Dr. Michael Greger for asking me to do uh, the illustration for How Not to Die. Thanks to all my Summerfest fans, whether you were heard on here or not. See you next time, and until then, please get out there and live like you mean it.